Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, I want to talk today about how to honor your mother. You know, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Uh, notice this, this commandment has a promise, right? That it will go well, that you'll live long on the earth. Uh, you, you honor your parents and you'll live long because they won't kill you if they don't. If you, if you don't honor them, uh, sometimes you may feel like that. Here's, here's what I think is interesting. God gives the Ten Commandments to Moses. The first four of the commandments have to do with our relationship with God. The next six have to do really with our relationship with each other. Right? The first one of the six that has to do with relationships that, that people are going to have, really relationships in humanity, the first commandment is to honor your father and your mother. It's really a big deal. It matters to God. It's not just one of the big 10, but when it comes to interpersonal relationships, how we deal with life, how we deal with each other, it is the first commandment that God lives, that it may go well with you. And obviously every one of us, we want it to go well with us. It says that, that you may live long. Uh, we, we want to have a long, good life, right? So there's tremendous consequences. Now, notice that this verse talks about parents and father and mother. In fact, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And I wanted to mention this because of the tremendous number of blended families that we have in our society today. And, and really, the word parent there means the one that you live with. The one that you live with, one that's providing for you, uh, they may not be your biological father or mother, but yet you're living in their house. You're under their supervision. It's just to obey them. But then it talks about your biological parents, and it says to honor your father and your mother. Right? Now, this is so important that Jesus is on the cross, Redemption is taking place. This is, the, this is the, 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 the central hour of human history. Jesus on the cross, paying, shedding his blood, paying for our redemption. He's dying. And, and he says, saw the disciple that he, that he loved, and he saw his mother. And Jesus, therefore, when he saw his mother, the Bible says, John 19, and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own house. Uh, you, you, you may or, or, or may not know this, but Mark's gospel, the sixth chapter, the third verse, mentions that Jesus had brothers, James, Jose, Judas, Simon. It says, and are not his sisters here with us? It wasn't that Jesus didn't have any other siblings that could have taken care of Mary, but it was such a burden on Jesus' heart that Jesus on the cross says to John, take care of Mary, my mother. And he, from that very hour, took her in. You know, we're supposed to take care of their needs. What did he do? Well, he, he took her into his house when it needed to be, uh, support them. We need to watch over them, protect them. 
be company to them, honor them. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother and whoever reviles father or mother must die. But I say to you, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever may, whatever gain you could have received from me is korban or a gift to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Thus you make void the word of God by your tradition and that you've handed down and many such things you do. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying what you have taught in your church, in your synagogue, is that instead of taking care of your father and mother, you should just give something special to the church. And Jesus said, when you do that, it's wrong. He says, you need to take care of your father and mother. He says, that, that is more important. That should be your top priority. In Jesus' perspective, that first commandment that had to do with how we relate to each other was more important than giving a special gift at church. And he's saying, you, you disregard the word of God. You don't honor your father and your mother. You don't take care of them financially. And, and today I could say, even maybe in some lives, we just go about doing our own thing, never even thinking about our father, our mother, never caring for them. And it's old. Uh, somebody said it this way. You know, you should take care of your parents when they're old, because when you were born, you already owed them nine months room and board. In First Timothy chapter five, it says, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show pity at home to repay their parents for this is good and acceptable before God. So he's saying to make sure that their needs are met, that they're clothed, that they're fed. You know, these are the people who clothed and fed you, who trained you, who cleaned up after you. Proverbs 23 says, do not despise your mother when she is old. Right? Um, I, I remember uh, as my mother got old, she had uh, she had diabetes and uh, it had progressed where she was really had had dementia and she was living at our house. And uh, we had somebody who would come in 12 hours a day and and watch over her. But for whatever reason, there was one particular day that Jeannie and I quickly just got out of the house, ran to the store and came back. And um, we get a phone call before we get back from our neighbors. And my mother is out in the middle of the road in front of a pretty busy road where we live. She is in the middle of the road and she is waving cars down with her cane. And uh, she's telling cars that, you, you, you know, the people that live in that house, she did not know who we were. She didn't know my name. She didn't know Jeannie's name. Just the people in that house. Uh, they're gone and I need to get to the bank. And and uh, she didn't she, she she just was not all there mentally. Right. But you know what? We honored her. We cared for her. We provided for her. Uh, there were there were days like that day that she didn't even know who we were, but we still honored her and loved her. You know, you need to share your life with them. Um, there's a great story in the Old Testament, in the book of Ruth. It's only four chapters, probably be read it in 15 minutes. But there's a woman named Naomi, and she and her family leave Bethlehem and go to the country of Moab for 10 years. While they're in Moab, Naomi's husband dies and her two sons die. Uh, she returns to Bethlehem, and one of her daughter-in-laws comes with her. And she's looking at her life, 
And she says, don't call me Naomi. And by the way, Naomi actually means to be favored by God. But she says, call me Mara, which means bitter. He says, because the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. She says, I went out full, but I'm coming back empty. And God has afflicted me. Well, her daughter-in-law ends up getting married, has a child. And uh, this is how the, how the book ends. And he will be to you a restorer of life, a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who, has, who is more to you than seven sons, has given him birth. You know what happened? Ruth shared her life with her mother-in-law. She shared her family. She shared her children. Um, you need to share your life. And, and uh, you know, don't withhold your kids, obviously. But I remember my mother, we used to take her out to eat. We'd uh, try to connect her with our kids. Uh, we had a little block cabin on a, on a lake, and we would take her up to the lake. And she just thought that was the greatest thing. One of the ways that you honor your mother and your father is by sharing your life with them. You know, in love, it's unconditional. It's when they're young. It's when they're old. And, and obviously, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. Right? But remember this. They've given their best years, the best years of their life to you. And you say, yeah, but they just weren't perfect. You know, I don't even know if there is such a thing as a family that is in some way not dysfunctional. No, we don't honor them and we don't love them because they're perfect. We honor them. We love them unconditionally because of who they are. They're our parents. They're our father. They're our mother. You know, give that occasional hug. Give them that, that hug of affection. In fact, if, if wherever you're at right now, if your mother is right next to you, I just want you to give her a hug and do it while you can. Show that affection. Uh, I heard a story about an entrepreneur, young guy, and uh, wasn't seeing his mother a lot, but uh, he, he liked to send her gifts. And so he, he bought two very expensive birds, um, parrots. And these, these parents, they could, they, they could talk and they could dance and they could sing. And he, he sent her the parrots. And then he called her a few weeks later and, and said, Mom, you know, uh, how were the birds? How were the birds? And she said, oh, they were great. She says, I fried them. And he says, what? You fried them? She said, don't you know? Don't you know, mother? He says, those birds, they cost $5,000 each. They could sing. They could dance. They could talk. And mother said, well, they should have spoke up. <laughs> they should have spoke up. Now, now here's what I want to, to communicate to you. So often we just assume that our mother knows that we love her, that we care for her, that we're there for her. But we need to let her know. We need to communicate, right? And uh, you, you may say, yeah, but you don't know my mother. Uh, you don't know my, my mother-in-law. Uh, I, I just can't honor them. Now, the very, very first thing that, that God said concerning family in the Bible is in Genesis 2. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, cleave to his wife, right? And the two shall become one flesh. So the first thing it says about our parents is eventually we leave them. Now, that's not talking about physically moving 200 miles away, but it is talking about cutting the apron strings right? so that you and your spouse become a family unit. Before you're married, your closest connection is with your family, with your, your father and your mother. But once you get married, you, have, you begin a new family unit. 
And you need to be able to talk with your spouse, pray with your spouse, and make a decision without fear of the repercussions of what your parents are going to say or your in-laws are going to say. Right? But that doesn't mean that you don't honor them, that you don't love them, right? and uh, you don't wave that decision in their face. But you, you humbly say, this is what we prayed about. This is what we've decided. This is what the direction that we're going to go. This is what we're going to do. And I know that in some families, there's a lot of turmoil, particularly around holidays. We're going to be, are we going to be with her family or his family? Are we going to be this time over here? What are we going to do? You know, you need to pray about those things. Make your decisions. Cut the apron strings. But you do not stop honoring your father and your mother. Just tell her you appreciate her. Don't be like that entrepreneur. It says in Proverbs 31 that her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. It says, many daughters have done well, but you have excelled them all. Saying, there's a lot of great ladies, but you're the best. And husbands, every husband needs to believe that about his wife, that she is the greatest and needs to communicate that she, you believe your wife is awesome. The, the, the mother of your children, she's awesome. Right. There's just some things, of course, that you don't say. I remember I said something to my mother that I should not have said growing up. And I don't remember if I was 10 years old, 11 years old. But I do remember a trip to the bathroom and the ivory soap in my mouth, getting my my mouth washed out. You know, you don't ever talk disrespectfully to your mother. You try to understand and to sympathize. Now, they've gone through a lot of changes from single to married, to kids, to empty nest, and possibly even a widow or a widower. They cooked, they cleaned, they counseled. They were your teacher, your judge, your peacemaker, your referee, your sounding board. And the person who always, no matter what everybody else was doing, that person who always believed in you. you know? And uh, it, we should forever be grateful and not forget after we have received so much from them, not forget them. Uh, there's a true story I, I want to uh, read to you. It's a story about Thomas Edison. It says, when young Tom returned home from school one day, his mother noticed he had a piece of paper in his hand. He told her it was a note from the teacher, and she was the only one who was supposed to read it. When she did, his mother grew tearful. When he asked what it said, his mother simply replied, son, you're a genius and the school is too small for you. It doesn't have enough good teachers to train you. And so they've asked that I train you myself. From then on, Edison's mother removed him from school and he was, so to speak, homeschooled and self-taught. She allowed him to curiously pursue what interested him and to devour it. Years later, after his mother had died, Edison was roaming through her belongings and he came across a note from his teacher. And when he read it, he was stunned. It read, your son is mentally ill. We won't let him come to school anymore. We don't have teachers who can handle him. You'll have to teach him by yourself. When he found that note, he said he wept for hours. And since that time, he has given his mother credit for cultivating his genius as an inventor. She, was, she saw something in him that others did not see in her boy. When she read that note, 
and she changed it a little. It ultimately led to the consequences that we see today. Edison becoming a great inventor. He learned at home. But what was behind everything that he learned was somebody who believed in him. And I know this about mothers. Mothers believe in their kids and their children when nobody else believes in them. And mothers pray for their children when nobody else is praying for them. When others have given up hope, mothers do not give up hope. In Proverbs 1, it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. It says, my son, hear the instruction of your father. Do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and a chain about your neck. The wisest man, apart from Jesus that ever lived, was Solomon. And his counsel is, do not forsake the law of your mother. He says, listen to your mother. I think that it is so interesting that the wisest man that ever lived consistently is saying, get advice, get counsel. And it's interesting to me that King Solomon even bowed down to his mother. It says the king rose to meet her, his mother, and bowed down to her and sat down on his throne and had a throne set up for the king's mother. And she sat at his right hand. You could almost say that, that Solomon had a little bit of homeschooling, but so many of you mothers are doing right now. Uh, in Proverbs 31, he uses Penn's name of Limeo, but he says, the utterance which his mother taught him. His, the utterance which his mother taught him. What my son, what son of my womb, what son of my vows. Right? He, 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 I don't think that they had a coronavirus back then, but for some reason, we find Solomon spending time with his mother, and she was his teacher. And he says, don't forget, don't forget those things that your mother has instructed you. So often we're looking for some great new revelation, but it's really the basic, the basic things that make the difference. In uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, there's the story of the Shunammite woman, a woman who was unable to have children. And the prophet Elijah predicts that she is going to become pregnant and have a child. And she does. And the boy, he's probably seven or eight years old now. He's out with his father and he's working in the field. And he goes to his father and he says, my head hurts. My head hurts. <laughs> and, and, and I love it because I did the same thing. And he says, take him to his mother. You know, when things aren't right, what do we do? Go to your mother. Go to your mother. And uh, it's, it's, it's a great story. She sits on his knees and she's there until noon. And then he dies. And uh, she, she takes his body and puts it up in the place, the room that the prophet had. And she goes to the prophet and she will not give up. She will not give up. She brings him back. And he is actually the first person in history to be raised from the dead because of a mother's love and a mother's faith. You know, they, they seem to have that gift of mercy concerning the small things. All right. And when you're old enough, somebody said it this way. He says, you know, it seems like when you're old enough that nobody ever asks you anything anymore. Right. You finally know the answer. It's amazing to me how, how some young couple, they get married and they, they have a child and they don't trust their parents who raised five kids to watch their kid for an hour or two. 
They're, they're, they're just like, oh, no, my kid, my kid. You know, uh, 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 okay, I don't know if I should even say this, but, but uh, when, when uh, we were growing up in the ministry, one of our mentors was Lester Summerall. Uh, Lester's been with the Lord now for at least 20 years. But uh, he made this statement. He said, and I disagree to some, but, but he, what he was saying, he said, you know, when you're old, he says, you've got some wisdom because there's some things you just learn when you're old. David said, I was young and now I'm old and I haven't seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. He's saying there's some things that you only learn through time. And when they said, you know, it seems like when you're old and you know nobody's asking, uh, be sure to ask. Again, Lester Summerall said, he says, young people should die because they're still ignorant. He says, when you're old, you know something, right? And, and in some ways, I'm not, I'm, I'm not uh, saying young people should die, but it is true. There are certain things that we learn only as we get older. And don't be afraid to go and to ask advice. Remember gratefully. Remember your mother, your father gratefully. Call them, email, communicate, take them out to the taker, take them to the store, take them out for coffee. Uh, I remember when I was growing up, every Sunday afternoon, we went to grandma's house, grandpa and grandpa's house. And my parents would sit down in the chair for about an hour and they would drink tea and, and they would talk. But it, it just put inside me understanding of you do not disconnect with your, your, your parents when you get older. You keep on honoring your parents. They felt loved. They knew that they were important to us. Right? And remember how much you needed them at one point in your life. You needed your mother at one point in your life. You know, when you get old, the devil will tell. Most all older people hear this. Your life's over. You're a burden. You have no purpose. You're just an inconvenience. Right? You can't work. There's really nothing you can do. Uh, I, but what they need is they need purpose. They need connection. Uh, I, I think it's interesting. They, they, they say that an older person with a pet usually lives longer than an older person who doesn't have a pet. Now, it's not the pet that they need. It's the communication. It's the connection. It's the purpose that they need. And maybe they can't work anymore, but let me just say they can surely pray. They can pray. I want to tell you a story, true story, about Peter Richley. It may be the strangest survival story that you will ever hear. But the year is 1820. He's in England and he wants to go to Australia. And he begins the journey on a ship. The ship sinks, and he is the only survivor. A second ship came by and rescued him. The next day, a storm hit again, and the second ship sinks. He survives and is picked up by a third ship. The third ship sinks, and he is rescued as he's picked up by the fourth ship. I know this sounds impossible. True story. The fourth ship sank, and he is rescued by a fifth ship. And his Difficult as it is to believe, the fifth ship sinks as it's, as it's nearing Australia and a sixth ship comes by and he's rescued. The name of the sixth ship was the city of Leeds. He's taken up on board. 
He's fed. He's given warm clothes. He tells the, the crew his story. And the captain asks him for a favor. He says, there's a dying woman on our ship. And she has really befriended everyone on our crew. And she knows them all. And she's become dear to everybody's heart. And she's been praying to see her long lost son before she died. And she has been looking for him for years. Would you pretend to be her son? She knows everyone else on the crew. And every time we go down there, she's praying. Every time she gains consciousness, she's praying. Lord, let me see my son. And Peter was taken to her. And when he walks in, she's delirious. And she's crying out. And she's saying, please, God, let me see my son one more time before I die. When Peter sees her, he loses it. And he just begins to weep. It's his mother, Sarah Ridgely. Peter hadn't seen her in 10 years. And she had heard that he was on his way to Australia. And she got on a boat headed to Australia. She was Peter's mother. And I believe the reason that five ships sank, but his life was spared again and again and again. It was because of a praying mother. The storm could not destroy the, the faith that that mother had in God. The power of a praying mother can get you through a, anything. I, I believe there's people right now, you're watching me. If it wasn't for a praying mother, you'd be dead. You'd be in bondage. You'd be in addiction. You'd be, there would be brokenness in your life. But a praying mother has kept you alive. Right? And we need to bless our mothers. We need to love them. Uh, there's prodigals that you're coming home because of a praying mother. And I want to encourage you today to follow the faith. The faith that was in your mother's heart can be in your heart. In 2 Timothy 1 and verse 5, Paul said this to Timothy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that's in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Understand that? Here was faith that passed from a grandmother to a mother and to a son. Believe me when I tell you, there was a praying mother and there was a praying grandmother. And the greatest gift that anyone can ever leave you is not some trust fund. No, the greatest gift that you could ever be given is faith. It's faith. And you may be watching today and uh, you're not right with God. You're away from God. Maybe your mother, your grandmother, you have loved ones. They've died. They've gone on to be with the Lord. You know, the greatest thing <laughs> that you can really ever do is not even make heaven. The greatest thing you can do is make heaven and take your family with you. Take your family with you. And I want to encourage everyone to pray for your family. Those of you that you have loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord. That doesn't mean you're not going to see them again, but you need to be right with God. Now, if you're watching wherever you're at online, but you're not right with God, I want you to listen very carefully. This is what God wants you to do. He wants you to surrender your life to Jesus. Stop living for yourself and surrender to Jesus and receive the forgiveness that he purchased for you on the cross at Calvary. 
And if you're away from God, not right with God, I want to invite you right now to pray this prayer with me. In fact, wherever you're at online, I want you to pray this prayer out loud. I want you to make these words your own. All right, simply say this, say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. He is my king, my Lord, and I'm going to live for him. I receive the forgiveness that he purchased for me. And I thank you, my past is gone, that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.